Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the W. <laughs> F1 podcast. That time when edition. Yes, don't adjust your speakers. That was actually me trying to do my best. I don't know what that would be. Donald Mickey Mouse, Mickey Donald Mouse, Duck. I don't know those kind of vibes, but I reckon everyone. Well, I think, yeah, well, I can. I reckon yeah. everyone just checked to see if they were playing it in like triple speed or something. <laughs> even though I was not even going that quickly. Yeah. Either way, hello everybody, welcome back to another That Time When podcast. Today we are talking about it's that time when Hamilton suffered heartbreak in Malaysia. Now this was back in 2016 when there was the big old championship fight between Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. And it was a dogged affair, was it not, the WTF1 founder, Tom Bellingham? It was. Uh, it was a pretty good title uh, battle and a very spicy one, which was much needed because they were the only team that could win. And also uh, they dominated very much for a few years and Rosberg was never really in it with Hamilton, but this year... He was. We relied on Nico Rosberg turning up to a season, basically, didn't we, for a championship fight? (laughs) It was like, Nico, come on, this year, you can do it. Um, But anyway, 2016, uh, what was F1 like back then? Uh, We have covered this season a fair bit on that time when, but if you've not listened to any of those episodes from the 2016 era, fair enough, whatever, I'm over it. Uh, Mercedes, of course, were dominating, as suggested with, uh, with the intro, and it was actually their most dominant year. They were clear they had the greatest wheel knowledge of the entire grid by quite some quite some margin um rosberg had dominated the title early on um, but then hamilton had closed the gap it was kind of that random weird thing that became well i don't know why but you know hamilton never used to turn up at the start of a season that just used to be like a running trend even with bottas (laughs) i guess uh, a little bit later on as well um but but yeah he was uh catching up to rosberg he'd won quite a few of the first few races rosberg won the first few and Hamilton not that it looked like the title was kind of over already but Rosberg won the first four and Hamilton had a lot of bad luck he got yeeted by Bottas in one of the races and uh, got dropped back he had quite a few engine penalties and if you actually look uh, at the how it it kind of panned out over the season you had Rosberg 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 winning then you had Max Verstappen winning in that race where the two took each other out Hamilton won, Hamilton won, Rosberg won, Hamilton, 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 and then Rosberg, Rosberg, Rosberg. So it kind of, it almost came where no one kind of, it didn't go back and forth. It was all like Rosberg dominated, then Hamilton dominated, then Rosberg dominated again. And uh, I would say that's the definition of back and forth, Tommy. Well, yeah, true. But I guess, I guess it's (laughs) not like, yeah, 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 yeah. there wasn't much of like people went on like winning streaks, if you like. So um, yeah. And as you can see from that, uh, Mercedes were winning everything. It took one race, which we've covered before, uh, the one where Verstappen won his Red Bull debut for any one of the Mercedes to win, where they had to take each other out for it to happen. Exactly. They were both in the gravel trap uh, on lap one. Um, but yes, yeah, so as for the title, eight points were separating Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton going into Malaysia, Rosberg being the one ahead yeah. uh, going into there. Um, and in qualifying... As you would suggest, uh, no surprise. Mercedes 1-2, Hamilton on pole by four tenths of a second. Uh, you then I have hate the... this era. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah, can no. you, how can you be four tenths on your teammate and still finish second? That's just not, it's just not right, is it? No, it's not. And four tenths 
behind your teammate nowadays would probably put you seven positions or seven on the grid compared to being on poles. So yeah, it it was definitely a a different kind of era uh, to what we're experiencing now. Uh, Verstappen was P3 uh, ahead of Ricardo, Sebastian Vettel P5, and then Alonso had a, a funny engine penalty. He did. This was the era where you actually got your grid penalties before they did the thing now where it's just like change all your components and you get a 10 place it, it kind of racked up every single result so you've got the fia press release all your that components said, will be back at the grid now yeah yeah but th- basically every single place oh sorry did i yeah, uh, they just sorry. they just call it back of the grid now but basically yeah. what what happened was particularly mclaren honda in this era would change all the components uh, and alonso for this race had a 45 place grid drop uh, so, so technically, he, he was started from the middle 67th, sixty-seventh. Yeah, sixty-seventh. <laughs> if you uh, want to count it, so he yeah. started four corners from home. That's, yeah, uh... but no, he did start from the back of the grid for anyone that doesn't get sarcasm. But um, he uh... <laughs> he started sixty-seventh. <laughs> what? Can you but, imagine? Imagine yeah. if they chalked out an extra forty-five grid places just to try and find where that would fairly be. Uh, that would be quite. It was quite actually. a ridiculous era. It happened a lot between. Honda and the Renaults of Red Bull and Toro Rosso around this era, where at the start of the race, it would be like, Jensen Button has a 30-place grid drop. Alonso has a 45-place grid drop. I'm <laughs> sure there, there was one race where I think there were well over 100 places worth of grid drops. It was I think maybe Spa or something. Yeah. I feel like there was something like that. But yeah, I guess the reason they did that was to differentiate between two drivers having... 30 place and then 45 i guess if you have 45 you're going to start behind uh, the driver has 30 but yeah it was very very strange and i think it's also worth mentioning as well just in general malaysia what a track obviously not on the f1 calendar anymore this was the Um, penultimate race there yeah one more after this this has become i think a, a fan favorite that i think a lot of formula one fans would welcome back with open arms and if i could have one race back it would be this one because just provided such good action. Uh, and this was in an era where overtaking was a lot more difficult and you couldn't follow as closely. Imagine it now. Imagine mm. the side-by-side through those that first sector where you can switch back through the double hairpin. Oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah, bring it back, please. Yeah, please. We, we, but maybe with the drain covers uh, attached down to the ground. <laughs> that would be, uh, be good. Right. Moving over to the race now, then. Uh, so Vettel goes for a dive bomb at turn one from P5 and hits Nico Rosberg, sends him yeeting, not into non-existence. Nico was still in the race, but, you know, you have to think at that point, right, big swing to Lewis Hamilton, you know? But if you've read the title of this that time when, you'll know that it wasn't a big swing for Hamilton. Uh, but, of course, Nico Rosberg sent all the way uh, to the back and, and even Vettel uh, had a, a damaged suspension. He was out of the race, wasn't he? Because his, his front left was completely yeah completely took off his his left his left wheel and damaged the suspension rosberg was can't really say fortunate because essentially got taken out the race but he spun right to the back but his car was fine um and because he was in a 2016 mercedes uh he could obviously pick his way through the field uh but it still very much felt when that moment happened it's like hamilton's got some momentum here he could get back in this title which didn't look like it could happen uh, at certain points of the season yeah it was um <laughs> from from vettel's pov it's uh it's a absolute dive bomb and a half into into the apex at turn one isn't yeah, it yeah. and um the fact yeah, that he was tied much... fifth and it's not 
is a fairly big run down to the first corner, but not huge. But you know, he's diving up the inside of P2, who's not made a particularly bad start from P5. It's a dive bomb. <laughs> It's a big old dive bomb uh, from Vettel. So he was out the race. Nico Rosberg had a lot of work to do. Um, but yes, it was a a big, a big, uh, well, a negative thing for, for Rosberg. To, I, I literally couldn't think of the word. But yeah, Rosberg was at the back of the field, had a lot of work to do. And you think at this point, Hamilton, you know, advantage him uh, in the championship fight, of course, is coming towards the end of the season. Malaysia was what? The... There's uh, five races to go yeah. uh, after this one. And yeah, because it was only eight points, you think. This is Hamilton's chance to get into the title lead in that in that final run of races. Exactly, and uh, as we saw, there were lots of streaks of victories. So you think, okay, momentum swing. Uh, so there was a safety car restart on lap four. You had Hamilton, Ricardo, Verstappen, and the Force India of Sergio Perez, uh, and then Raikkonen did pass him uh, for P four. This uh, this was uh, Perez's era of just driving in a midfield car and doing very very well in it, and everyone going, <laughs> oh wow, he's so good. And, yeah, uh, what he, he look was, what he's doing in the Force India. Absolutely, yeah, and he was Hulkenberg's teammate at this point. And this is a rare that time when where we don't mention Hulkenberg being in a podium spot. Uh, well, still, still mentioning him, but no, he, it was it was Perez <laughs> uh, in the Force India that was the the higher of the two there. And um, yeah, this was the era where it was very much Mercedes were miles clear. Red Bull probably had the second best car. Were quite close with Ferrari, who were the third best car. And then it was a big, big old gap to the midfield. Uh, but Force India were pretty decent. They were indeed for a, a very small team at that point in their yeah. uh, in their journey as well. They were very much the underdogs, weren't they? They um, were. So next up, we had Grosjean's brakes failing on lap eight, and I really enjoyed his team radio of him saying his brakes had braked. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was how he explained uh, to the team what happened as he went uh, careering off into into the gravel trap. Um, but then after that. Uh, the race pretty much settled down uh, and Rosberg, of course, making his way through the field in that 2016 Mercedes. Yeah, it didn't, didn't take him too much. I don't think his car was particularly damaged in the incident. And, you know, as we mentioned, that he could be four tenths off pole and still finish P2. So that kind of shows you the speed difference that he had in that car. And he could just pick his way through through the field. And it wasn't long before he was essentially back uh, on the pack of the the leaders being the the Red Bulls and the Ferraris who were best of the rest behind Merck. So then we had a bit of a, a lull, you know, just because it's at that time when doesn't mean it's a worldy every single lap. Uh, so we're going to fast forward to lap 38 where it all kicks off, basically, in a nutshell. Yeah. So Hamilton's chilling, 20 seconds clear, having an, a, another one of his Sunday drives in that uh wonderful Mercedes. Uh, Verstappen was then right behind uh, Ricardo. Of course, this was for, for P2 and P3 because uh, Rosberg's still making his way through. Um, and Verstappen thinks he can challenge Hamilton, uh, but believes he's being held up. Uh, and there was lots of back and forths whilst those two were teammates as to who was the faster driver. And they had quite a close competition. If you're thinking about Daniel Ricardo these days, where he's getting trounced by Lando Norris, it wasn't like that at Red Bull in this era. Daniel Ricardo was... I wouldn't say the better teammate, but he was close to Verstappen on a lot of weekends. And we would never have thought we'd be speaking about Danny Rick in this way in 2022. <laughs> no, Ricardo was ahead. Verstappen had got a bit unlucky at the start because he got kind of forced wide uh, at the start when Rosberg and Bell had their moment. So it dropped him behind uh, Ricardo and Verstappen was kind of sat on the back most of the race and wanted to 
to make a a move for the lead. And of course, not Red for the Bull, lead yet. Not for the lead. Sorry for for the uh for P two. Yeah. Uh, it would have been course, for the lead, though. Uh, yeah, you're preempting what we're about I to talk am, about. I am sorry, but yeah, the um, the fact that this was multi twenty one track as well, they must have got a few flashbacks as uh, their driver was wanting to get past another, and it was a great, potentially a great result for them. And uh, yeah, Verstappen didn't want to just sit behind his teammate and uh, finish P three because he's Max Verstappen. Exactly, that's what he does. He, uh, <laughs> he has that fire in his belly. Um, so yeah, Rosberg was uh, making his way up and got up to P five. Then dive bombs came in for P four, and they made a bit of contact, uh, which Rosberg then got given a ten second time penalty for that collision because he yeah it was a it was a an audacious move into turn two, a little bit of a contact. But I don't know. I, I think I, that's I've watched really it back. harsh. I, I think watched, that's yeah, really harsh. I watched it back and I was like, well, he was up the inside. Kimmy kind of turns in a little bit. I don't really understand where such a, I mean, I guess they had a slightly different way of giving out penalties those days, but I thought it was, yeah, as you say, quite, quite mean of the stewards to give them a 10 second penalty. 10 seconds is huge as well. Uh, that's, that's a big old time. Yeah, um, massive. I guess, I guess part of it is 10 seconds for a Mercedes is no difference. And as it turned out, it made no difference. Sorry for the spoiler there, but um <laughs> Because Mercedes were so quick, I guess ten seconds they need to penalise them to actually give them some kind of penalty. But yeah, it was a it was a dive bomb, no doubt. But if you think that Sebastian Vettel was quite extreme, he did get a three place grid drop for the next race. But you can make that up in the race, whereas a ten second time penalty can be quite seem quite harsh and can affect people quite massively. And uh, it was ambitious. But it's the kind of move now where we see it and we're kind of like, nah, that's fair enough. I'm glad it's they, they, they sort it out at the next the next corner and they, they battle and things like that. So goodness knows in this era what the drivers would have got in that Silverstone battle that we had this year. And they'd have just been penalty happy probably and there'd have been about 50 penalties. But clearly here they, they weren't going to let that one go. And I thought that was extremely harsh when I when I read i read actually before watching the incident they got a 10 second penalty and then i watched the highlights and i was like wait for that it's, i suppose it's this was the year of the... maybe you let him let him maybe let him pass and try again something like that but 10 second yeah. penalties very seems very harsh i suppose this was the era when they didn't give out five second time penalties those days so it was either penalty of 10 seconds but i think that was the first yeah go to wasn't it and then it was stop go then or drive through and then stop go um but yeah i suppose maybe they've taken into account that there was damage uh, to Kimi Raikkonen's car which you know maybe that's what swayed them a little bit it was it was argy bargy but then again like as you say uh, you know what uh, formula 1 the, the way in which drivers can battle has changed quite a lot over the years uh, and uh, and i think and it's I'm changed once it. again yeah absolutely let them race and all that good stuff um so yes uh, what and in that same craziness we had one lap later, lap 39, brilliant battle between Verstappen and Ricardo. They were side by side through multiple corners. And we didn't know at this point, because Hamilton was still 20 seconds down the road, that this ridiculous side by side battle was going to be for the lead of the race. Uh, with Verstappen, of course, trying to get through on Ricardo. He fought hard. Danny Rick didn't give up. And I'm very glad he didn't give up either, uh, as he would have then seen the Mercedes smoking a couple of laps later. It was 
an amazing battle. Uh, again, Malaysia, it just provides such good racing with the the hairpins where it's Crofty's favorite phrase is the switcheroo, isn't it? Where you can, you take different lines so you can follow each other through that first sequence of corners. Verstappen's got a good line where he's got the outside going into the right hairpin. So Ricardo's compromised. He switches back underneath him and he's got a nice run. But then you've got the the fast left, right, quick corners. But it's amazing that they managed to follow uh, through those corners and just side by side. They're they're so close at full at full speed, and it's just really brilliant, respectful uh, racing. It's just really, really good, really good battle. And it is very reminiscent again of multi twenty one. But of course, Vettel got through on Weber that time. But it was a similar kind of part of the track where moves were it was being the made, same part of the track. Yeah. Of course, Vettel got through a lot a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it was very much flashbacks to that. But uh, yeah, Danny Rick held strong uh, and managed to keep uh, Verstappen behind, which was, yeah, a big move and a big sort of message as well from Danny Rick to say, no, I'm not going to just move move out of the way for this young kid. Who is this Max bloke? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Danny Rick was very much trying to, to be a team leader there, I'm sure, even though that didn't eventually happen. Um, so then, yeah, as I mentioned, huge drama, lap 41. It all kicks off in this race, doesn't it? Like, not much going on, and then 38, 39, 41. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can definitely tell moments. everyone was, like, probably snoozing on the sofa. Oh, Hamilton's <laughs> 20 seconds clear. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> big breath as uh, Hamilton's engine blows up from the lead on lap 41. He was set to take the championship lead, of course, from Rosberg. It was eight points the difference between Rosberg and Hamilton coming into it. And Hamilton clear. Rosberg looked like he was going to finish fourth. And... Yeah, it all changed. You hear that horrible team radio. The, oh, no, no, sort of thing from yeah. Hamilton. And I kind of iconic now, isn't it? You can, it's one of those things that you look at that picture, you can hear that team radio. It's like pictures yes. you can hear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The anguish in his voice, yeah. similar to Leclerc hitting the wall in France, really. Like that's again, like a, you know, it kind of just yeah, sticks with yeah. you, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, Hamilton uh, has his engine blow up. He stops at turn one and that's it. You're then thinking, right, well, Rosberg's got a great opportunity to extend his lead now, uh, which, of course, uh, he did by the end of the race. Um, and then also on lap 41, Gutierrez's wheel flies off, just detaches itself from the <laughs> yeah. car uh, and brings out the, the VSC. Was that the, was that the same lap? It was, yeah. Just wow. chaos. I don't just, yeah. Why, why it all happened, uh, all the action in this race happened within three laps is really bizarre, but Oh, the Hamilton thing, yeah, it was heartbreaking because it felt like he was back in that title fight. Uh, he would have got, it would have really closed up the title. And instead, uh, the point swing, kind of skipping forward a little bit, goes to 28 points with five races to go. And a 28-point gap when you know, I mean, this race summed it up perfectly and it happened a few times in the season that doesn't really matter where you qualify doesn't really matter the the worst case scenario you're finishing on the podium in that mercedes really to to be spun around on the first lap uh, and still just come through the pack quite easily and finish third it just shows that hamilton needed a miracle uh, of essentially rosberg having some kind of dnf as well because 28 points is a massive swing when you know that realistically even if you win all those races, Rosberg's finishing second. That's it, right? You know, I'm sure a lot of Ferrari fans are listening going, 28 points, that's nothing. Try 80. But the difference is 
you're finishing, you're expecting the two Mercedes drivers to finish one, two, unless something crazy happens and you get yeeted again. So yeah, yeah that was the difference. It was, I don't think it was this year. I think it might've been 2014, but again, just shows the Merck dominance of that era. There was that race where Rosberg went for an absolute send on lap one in Sochi and he locked up his tire and he dropped all the way down to last and he still finished second easily. And that that's what you kind of expect from Mercedes, unless it was a terminal failure, they're winning every race. And even if you have an absolute nightmare at the start, or even with a few laps to go, you, you've still got such a pace advantage, you can build it back, which is why Hamilton probably at that point was so gutted because he knew that was absolutely huge. And he had some poor luck that season as well. Obviously, Rosberg did do a, a good job, uh, but Hamilton got had a lot of bad luck and engine failures and stuff. And like I mentioned, I think it was the Austrian one that if uh, F1 Twitter had existed, there was loads of you know conspiracies that they wanted Rosberg to win this one and stuff. And it's just ridiculous. It was just Hamilton did unfortunately just get a lot of bad luck that season. And uh, when it's a two horse race. You can't afford to be having lots of uh, failures or having problems and making mistakes because your teammate is minimum third or second. Exactly. Uh, it was very much in Hamilton's hands uh, before this. It was still, I suppose, if he'd won every single race from here to the end of the season, could have won the title. But yeah. when we've just spoken about in the start of this, that time when that it was very much a streak of both drivers winning races, you, you can't guarantee that Hamilton's going to be beating Rosberg every single weekend so uh, yeah it was a big blow uh, for Hamilton's title chances and of course didn't end up winning the 2016 world championship um, despite trying absolutely everything in Abu Dhabi uh, despite which... yeah Nico Rosberg in equal machinery beat Hamilton <laughs> to the championship <laughs> oh god yeah. I think I think race. maybe for Abu Dhabi we should do that 2016 finale because it's a, yeah. a very interesting race yeah We've definitely covered, covered the season quite a quite a bit so yes definitely I, we 100 percent need to do that at some point so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that so of course danny ricardo took the win and that was the last red bull one two before imola this year which is uh, wild isn't quite it crazy <laughs> to think isn't it um but then that just shows how dominant mercedes were <laughs> so, yeah so for red bull to get a one two is uh, pretty impossible uh, so rosberg kept his podium despite having that 10 second time penalty uh, and then that left as tommy said 28 points ahead of Hamilton with five rounds left. Now, I also see here that fans got arrested under the podium. What, <laughs> do you want to dive into yeah. that? Yeah, so I hadn't actually, I didn't actually know about this story until I was looking into this race. But after the race, um, nine Australian fans uh, that were dubbed the Budgie Nine by the Australian media got arrested under the podium because they stripped off down to their Budgie smugglers. Uh, swimming trunks uh, if you if you like and um, they were Malaysian flag swimming trunks and they started drinking beer out their shoe and doing a shoey and while that's obviously a bit of banter and hilarious in a country like Malaysia is not very appropriate and the fact that they had the Malaysian flag on the swimming trunks as well uh, didn't go down too well with the uh, authorities and they ended up getting arrested and uh, Ricardo essentially said that he had, he didn't realize that the effect that uh, it would have and eventually they did get uh, released and had a, a soft kind of sentence they were released from custody after three days but 
yeah, it's the kind of thing that was probably uh, would be a bit of banter at you know Silverstone or Albert Park, but in uh, there are certain laws in in places like Malaysia that it's just a bit inappropriate. And uh, yeah, they ended up celebrating Ricardo's win with a shoey and got arrested. Wow. That's probably the last time they ever did a shoey, I'd imagine. Probably <laughs> yeah. uh, scarred it for them slightly. Okay, well, what a way to end at that time when people get yeah. arrested. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed uh, this uh, one about Hamilton suffering heartbreak in Malaysia. We will be back, as always, for another That Time When podcast. Thank you, Tommy, as always, for your uh, kind words and opinions and wonderful founder founderness. And uh, hashtag WTFORM podcast. If you want to suggest any other That Time Whens that you want to, us to talk about, just send us a social message and uh, we will put it into the idea pot. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you very soon for another That Time When podcast. Bye. Bye. Just realized Alonso finished seventh in that race, so he technically made up 60 places. And your way as well. I'm enjoying the way to the audio <laughs> listeners. God's sake. <laughs>